Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm buying you all delicatessens and stainless steel. Don't don't worry, we'll we'll, we'll explain why why a weird bald man in a wheelchair says that in this movie. It's not Professor X. Just thought of that. I mean I'm Alex. And I can't wait to hear the breakdown of my favorite scene in the movie. I'm Britain. Oh my god. I don't know if it's my favorite scene in the movie. I don't know. I, I didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> this week, uh, the movie that we are discussing around right now is uh, For Your Eyes Only. Um, Correct. And maybe it should have stayed that way, uh, Bond producers. Oh my god. <laughs> Sick burn. So you really, you really, you really got Cubby in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody puts Cubby in a corner. How much better would Dirty Dancing be if her name was Cubby instead of Baby? Because already they named their child Baby. Sure. And Patrick Swayze, who's great, saying nobody puts Cubby in a corner, and then he lifts Cubby Broccoli. Up. <laughs> Guys, I did not have the time of my life watching this movie. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of us did, but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's really far. not. Um, it's just you know whatever. My my overall kind of vibe for this movie, uh, which I think I told you guys already, but I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat it here for our lovely audience. Um, I think I think the best way I can describe it is it felt like it was made hungover. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you mean like it feels like an afterthought? <laughs> Yes, yes, but just in general, like, it feels sort of like the the connections, like, even from scene to scene in terms of, like, how are we going to get from here to here? A lot of them are just like, well, what if we just, like, do this, maybe? And they're like, yeah, that is fine. That'll work. Yeah, we got a shark here. We can use that. Got a break for lunch. Can we, are we good? I'm going to take a nap in the trailer. <laughs> I said delicatessen. I got to, oh, man. So who yeah. wants to start with best and worst? I, I gotta, I gotta do the scores. Oh, that's right. First, but after that, we're, of course. After but, that, yeah. I'm going back to my nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex so, is a, kind of a sleepy buddy today. It's it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm all right here. Uh, thank you. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, For your eyes only, directed by John Glenn, his first Bond movie, and wait, I the astronaut does. What was that? The astronaut? No, unfortunately not. But John Glenn, I believe he does the next, the four following this. Wow. In the official series. So, you get to see how his style develops, Tyler. Aren't you excited? Oh. The auteur <laughs> theory will unfold before you. <laughs> um, that's was, a video essay that's been waiting to happen. Yeah, there you go. The, the auteur theory for John Glenn, director of five James Bond movies. <laughs> Parentheses, not the astronaut. Yeah, I, be- I believe. Not the astronaut. I believe in the eighties, the great directors working were like. I mean, well, uh, Kurosawa still had a couple in the eighties, and you had like Merchant Ivory were coming up. Tarantino was starting to make movies. Ridley Scott was getting on the scene. Uh, Spielberg was coming into his own in this uh, this same year was released Raiders of the Lost Ark and John Glenn <laughs> John Glenn was released in 1981 from, from prison his, from his cage oh no. my god so the movie was released in 1981 it has a 73% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 64% audience score um, Proud of which them. is actually pretty solid for, for a Bond movie um, sure Anyways. Seems good. 
Yeah, best best thing, worst thing. Who wants to go first? The same the same year this uh, movie was released was a movie called On Golden Pond. How much better would this movie have been if it had been called On Golden Bond? <laughs> <laughs> they just and it was just about. <laughs> I thought like they're 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 uh, just copy copying other yeah. popular things. Brain it just went on, and they were like, "What? What if we? It's it's not in theaters yet. We can." And it's Don't just worry. About... Our, our most successful Bond movies are the one with gold in the title. But, but what about Man with the Golden Gun? Shut up! We're calling it this. <laughs> There's been two, and one of them bombed. This uh... is about like M because M's not in this movie, so it's just about him and Money Penny like going to a cabin and reconnecting with his children. <laughs> the, yeah. Oh, the loons, M. Listen to the loons. <laughs> What's the... Apparently, this is one of those those cases where where the actor who played M, I, I think the alcoholism was really kicking in, so that's well, why he's not he, in this he was movie. Sick with stomach cancer, cancer, I believe. Oh, was it really? Okay. I think that's what I read. I might be wrong. Well, for the past several movies, like it, like it was pretty well known that he was an alcoholic, so really? like they were having to deal with that, like getting him to set and stuff. So, I, yeah, maybe maybe it was actually illness, but I I couldn't yeah, or, quite or remember. One brought the other on, yeah. I yeah. am. Uh... I'm a big fan of the idea of, of a Nanny McPhee-style movie with him and Moneypenny in the, the British countryside. <laughs> now, uh, is one of them Nanny McPhee, or does Nanny McPhee come to help them with all their uh, with, uh, with all their misbehaving agents? However, you know, that's up to the screenwriters. We, we, we can't take care Nanny of all McPhee. these agents ourselves. We've only Nanny got McPhee the ideas. Nanny Desmond Llewellyn rides it on an umbrella that... <laughs> oh, that is perfect. That it, like, is turbo-powered. He's like, well, make sure no water gets on it, sir. Well, now listen. And then he sings, like, Super Cala, whatever it is. Fragilistic Excalibur. <laughs> don't people think I don't know that sure, word? Sure. Don't, don't at me. Do I, so I, I can best do my, thing, yeah, I can do worst my, thing. I'm under short. My best thing, I actually quite liked the music in this one. Um, I thought I had some Bill cool Conti. Songs. Yeah, Bill Conti, for sure. Yeah. Who, who did, who did the last who, score? Was it also him? No, I think it was... Um, uh, the guy who's been doing all of them since then, John Barry, in okay. the check. Because I did, I felt like I kind of preferred really? the previous one. Um, yeah, because admittedly, sometimes with, mo- with movie scores, I don't know if it's that I like them or that they stood out to me. Sure. Um, but I, I mean, there would be a couple of things that I liked. Um, so I think the music was was pretty good, and I actually quite liked uh, Topol in this movie as uh, Columbo. I thought he was quite charismatic. Given very little to do, but I thought he he enriched mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. with a lot. And my worst thing is going to be this movie uh, started the cinema sin of casting Charles Dance and giving him nothing to do. <laughs> yep, something that would be repeated in every movie Charles Dance is in, even the ones where he's like one of the main characters. <laughs> Alien Three. It's just yep. he's so talented. He's so good. <sighs> Yeah, so John Barry, who normally does the Bond scores, he did Moonraker. I can't remember if that was his last one or not. Yeah, but for this one, they got Bill Conti of Rocky fame. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, some cool, some cool bits in there. Um, but yeah, I think him and Topol together I, I, I enjoyed. Yeah. You know. A duo? Duo yeah, worst still, thing? Or best thing? Best thing, yeah, because the worst thing is that they did not... You And I understand at the time, no one, he, it was his first sure. movie, but still, like... Even just that face, like he's such a good. Well, that's the thing is that like he he shows up and like he gets enough screen time that you think like just shots that you think oh he's gonna be yeah you know kind of a a henchman dude he's gonna yeah. be floating around maybe he'll be I mean we've already got kind of a bit of a Jaws character I mean he's not nearly as good as Jaws or Odd Job or any of them but no, like no, we've no. got sort of the henchman who has been around yeah so you know he's there 
But then we see him, and it's it's he's got a fairly iconic face, I guess. I, I don't know yeah, how much of sure. that is just because I recognize him, but like I feel like you know. I think I'd notice him regardless. Now I was hoping because I think they said something about some gadget putting an eye out, and I was hoping that he would get his eye put out in this movie, and that it would be a prequel to Last Action Hero, <laughs> when he's got the like glass eye with the smiley face on it, or no, it's a, a sniper sight. Sorry. Um, sure. That I sounds incredible. Bef- oh, it's a pretty cool movie. Charles Dance versus Arnold Schwarzenegger. The end. Um, before I forget, did the villain in this have a physical malady or some kind of thing? And by that no. token, did Drax in the previous? No, not really. Okay. Because hmm. I know we well, guess... like suppose because I've, I've as I've well, been so, sometimes movies, sometimes it's the villain sometimes it's the henchman and yeah, I can't recall kind of covers I, that for a I while. can't that's true I for can't me, recall right? a yeah. henchman in this that had like a physical no. disability because well, that's the thing is like people talk about the Bond tropes that every Bond movie he does none of those are true <laughs> like he doesn't say shaken not stirred in every movie mm. he doesn't drive an Aston Martin in every movie Aston Martin has been one that I've been like huh is they really make, just gave up on that didn't yeah they? it doesn't really happen. The, well, that I think for a while, like it's weird the different car rights they have access mm-hmm. to. For like, for some reason, the Pierce Brosnan movies they make a deal with BMW, so they're just like BMWs. That's and, incredible. But then they still throw in a couple of Aston Martins, and mm-hmm. it's like, what's going on? Yeah, I think he does say Bond, James Bond, in every movie, but he doesn't say Shake and Not Stirred. Someone usually movie. does sh- say that though, the Shake and Not Stirred. I yeah. feel like. I don't remember I'll, I'll if someone does that in this, this yeah. but... Uh, and I know it's like, for one movie to not have it doesn't mean it isn't a, an iconic catchphrase. But it's just like, the, the nerd in me is like, it's not every movie. Well, I, I, I do think there is partially a reason why that stuff's kind of scaled back a lot in this. Um, and it's mainly just, much like going from You Only Live Twice to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, it's one of those cases where they're going, oh, we got too big for our britches. Remember Moonraker where Bond went to space? Mm-hmm. Let's try and scale this back, make it feel a bit more like the Fleming novels, have it be a bit more grounded, so a lot of the sillier stuff in quotes gets lost, yeah. even though this movie still has some really silly moments like the end the the final scene in this movie is the most it might be one of the most ridiculous things in the more series oh it's it's insane (laughs) yeah it's amazing but it's yeah ridiculous um and we'll get into that uh but but for the most part this movie is trying to make a genuine attempt to go back to almost like a from russia with love scaled down espionage thriller and i i kind of admire that i just I, I admire I, the attempt. They they don't have the story <laughs> to match it, and that's that. I, I think that's the biggest problem for the Bond series, and this is why oftentimes they just kind of go big and ridiculous because they oftentimes they don't really have much of a story. So the 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 uber ridiculous gadgets and set pieces, the the hallmarks of the series that people like, that kind of sustains right. what would otherwise be a bad movie like Moonraker, um, as opposed to this where it's like. Oh, y'all didn't really have much of a story, but you wanted to remove a lot of the set pieces and the things that people really go to these things for in the attempt to make it feel like a more legitimate movie. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't work if you don't have a good story to tell. Well, and, and if you don't do that silliness with some panache and with some intention mm-hmm. and with some ability. Right. Yeah. And I think, because whatever, whatever you're making, if you make it sincerely, people will respond to it. Yeah. Um, you need if all you offer is technique, you make porn in uh, sex and everything else. That's from a French movie called Toi et Moi. 
Starring Marion Cotillard. Ah. It's the only thing I remember about the movie. Because <laughs> it's, it's a great quote. But it's a... I, I feel like the Bond movies of this era that I've liked the most are the, the ones that are just crazy, like Moonraker mm-hmm. and Golden yeah. Gun, that are really silly because it, it makes everything more lively. And in this movie, I felt like in their attempt to be more serious, it felt very melodramatic. Yeah. Yes. And therefore, but accidentally melodramatic. So in this, whereas I feel like Moonraker was a little more intentionally silly, mm-hmm. this one was accidentally silly. So I still I still laughed at Moonraker, but I was definitely laughing at this one. And there's so many bits of it that are just... And then, and then the parts that are silly feel so out of place. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the ending is like, but why... I mean, I'm, again, this is great. But in Moonraker, I would that would make a little more tonal consistency. It would have a little more tonal consistency. Right. Yeah. So that, that, that's that been an issue that I've had with, with just this branch of the Bond movies is they're, they're, they're wildly swinging the pendulum. And, and that's, that's, like, that's throughout the Bond franchise. Sure. It, I, I call it a tale of two Bonds because they can never make up their mind of if they want super bombastic, ridiculous, one-liner toting Bond yeah. or if they want serious, grounded Ian Fleming Bond. Right, they, right. they can never make up their mind... And most of the time, they try to do some sort of an amalgam, and it, it a lot of times it just doesn't work, right. um, or they lean way too far in one direction, and you get you get Moonraker, and you lean the, too far the other direction, you get like Quantum of Solace, right. um, like yeah. Yeah, it's it's constant. The, the, if if anybody's thinking like, oh, one particular Bond era is so much better than the others. Not really. Sure. They're they're always having this issue of tonal inconsistency. Like yeah. that's that's with Connery's movies. That's with Craig's movies. Like it's 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 just it, it's it's in the DNA of this franchise. And right. I, I I suppose that's mostly just because of we for the most part we have the same people making them. Yeah, that's probably why. Um, but yeah, that's that's my long rant about the Bond franchise. Tyler, what's your best thing and your worst thing? Yeah. Um, I have to pick a best thing, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling I'm going to be the person that liked this movie the most out of probably. the three of us. And that's because I like more grounded, gritty Bond. But um, Well, my best thing actually is... I do actually have like a genuine one. Um, definitely the uh, the rock climbing scene at the end. Yeah, sure. Yes. Um it felt it felt like a precursor to a, a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible scene. Yes, like it felt like we're going there. It, it was sort of outlandish, but also like intense and, and well done. Generally, yeah. I think. I mean, and, and you know, like I don't know, just pretty pretty cool setup and, and set piece, and like the the way everything kind of worked out. And well, and it was um, a nice. It was a sim, It was a way to. It was a very simple threat. Yeah, and a very simple execution of that. Yes. It wasn't this overly complicated. You had it to is, understand where twenty people were yes. in this whole building and all these gadgets. It was like, you know where Bond is, and this guy's knocking yeah. the the Pythons out of the the rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and as someone who's not a fan of heights, I found it particularly <laughs> yeah yeah uh, distressing. Because like I think doesn't he does he slip once before? I can't remember the he's he, the he falls a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. I can't um, recall. And then there's there's a great bit where he starts like undoing his shoelaces and using them yeah. as like this step uh, yeah. like yeah. way to, to step his way up the um yeah. the rope uh, yeah because he because he's away the from the rocks so he's just literally dangling from the rope so he's trying to get up as yeah. fast as he can while the other guy's uh destroying yes. um 
the little hooks. Uh, yeah, I really, I really like that scene quite a bit. I also um, and they have do, a... that that is one of the better action scenes in in Moore's era in terms of it hides the fact that clearly, um, like early fifties Roger Moore can't do this. Right. Um, I mean, that's like, already kind of absurd that he because he like just straight up free climbs like yeah. Uh, or free solo, that's the word, yeah. I should know that, because of the documentary. <laughs> um, I'm probably using that wrong, that's probably not what he does here, but it seems like well, it. Well, no, because he's, he's tied to something. But he, he's not tied to something for the first, like, oh, right, halfway right. up, and then he... Free then he solo, a James Bond story. Correct. Um, he, he hooked himself in about halfway up the rock face, and then, like, climbs the rest of the way. Uh, but it's still kind of just like, well, oh, okay, he's not, you know, he's... We've never seen him rock climb before, and he's just sort of doing this. Sure. Um, but I am also, I, I'm a huge fan of... For some reason, I just have this weird, like, sadistic uh, obsession with people falling off, like, like minions falling <laughs> off giant heights. Um, so you got that in spades. That, that is one of my favorite, uh, and the best one is the first one where he he throws or he stabs the guy. Is it he pulls a knife just like out of? Does he just have one on hand? I forget. Bond. He's got some knives in his jacket. Yeah, yeah, and he and he chucks one, stabs the guy, um, and he falls down. And Bond uses his rope to climb up, which is great. Yeah. Um, and the guy falls down, and then we see him falling all the way. We see the dummy, and then we see him hit the ground in front of uh, the group at the bottom. And it's they excellent. also do a decent job hiding that it's a dummy. Like, yes. I wasn't going, yeah. oh, that's like a really terrible dummy mm-hmm. that they used. Mm-hmm. No, that was good. Um, always, a, always a big fan of that. There's a couple of others, that other people that get chucked off the, this, this large... It's a cool set piece, in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having this, this little tiny village on top of a, a giant rock pillar. Well, apparently, um, I can't recall. I, th- I think it's like an actual monastery, and mm-hmm. they were trying to get the filming permits to go there. And, like, the monks that were actually living there were like, no, you can't come up here and film. <laughs> um, so the film production was actually able to get, like, the local government or, or like, some higher-ups involved to, to allow them to film there. Apparently, it was a, it was a, whole, huh. it was a whole kerfuffle. Bit sketchy, bit sketchy. <laughs> yeah. But I'll allow it. Um this movie does reference uh, mafia gift giving, so there you sure, go. Sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, just basically that one s- sequence of him climbing up. I mean, the the stuff on on the village monastery thing is fun too. Um, where he, you know, he's I, li- I like the bit where they're everyone's coming up in the basket, and then he he points to show that like, hey, there's a guy like coming around the, the side. You got to shoot him. Yeah. She shoots him with the crossbow. It's all good stuff. Well, um, I, I like it because it feels like actual spy work, and they have to yeah. be really quiet. And they're like, "Keep that guy quiet while we're while we're messing her, with all this her, stuff." Her crossbow sort of has a setup and payoff of like, "Oh, she's yeah. using a crossbow this whole time, and now she can yeah. be quiet and kill people." Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's 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 a neat sequence, and especially that rock climbing scene. I thought I kind of just came out of nowhere, but I was like, "All right, I'm here for this." Um. The and there's a couple not the action scenes in this movie are not bad, but. I would say they're very competent, and that's about it. Yes. There's a, there's some... I mean, there's... I think there are some good stuff, but ultimately my biggest problem kind of ties into everything you guys just talked about with the fact that they tried to scale this back, but they've already let the cat out of the bag in terms of the <laughs> franchise being insane. Right. Yeah. We just went to space. There were yeah. lasers. You know, Jaws found a nice... It's like it's like if you release the last three Mission Impossible movies, then you release the first one. Not even... I mean, yes. But not even that, because it's not so much about the quality going backwards. It's more about... Or, like, the, the scale or anything. It's more, to me, about the silliness and sort of... Especially where I think Spy Who Loved Me 
obviously I really enjoyed that one. I feel like that hit a really nice balance of this is over the top and crazy, but also sort of riveting and and a fun time, fun you know kind of action adventure that's not completely uh, I don't know. It's not off the rails so much that you can't enjoy it, and you can't enjoy the story and the characters. Right. And Moonraker still had some of that, too. Um, This one, I felt as if they were pulling way back on, you know, like you were saying, trying to get everything grounded and level again. But they've pulled it back, and there's still so many elements of that just dumbness. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that in, that inherent silliness that they've already introduced, and so yeah, if you're you going to pull the reins, you got to you got to be smart about the storytelling. You can't really get back to Doctor No or uh, from Rush with, with Love, or even even Thunderball to some extent. There's I feel like there's a, a lot of Thunderball that that works well. That's fairly grounded. Yeah, um, you know that that tone you can't really pull back. Uh, when you've gone this far, when the last movie was so ridiculous, I don't think you can do that. Uh, at least not with the same general creative talent. <laughs> you can't. I don't think you can tell them, "Hey, yeah, just sort of, you know, spin this around and make it less silly, uh, but make it good." Can you do that? Right. Because uh, again, sort of the the hungover vibe that I got, it just felt like they were. Not really trying to go silly, but that was their stopgap for any time they didn't really have a way out of a situation. They would just should sort of put in this general. I don't know. Let's do something dumb. Get him out of there. Yeah. Move, up, move that action scene along. Let's get out. You know, get to the next place. Um, so there, were, I f- felt like there were a lot of scenes that started off kind of more grounded, or I was like, oh, that's this is this could be real. You know, this is going well. I, I like where this is uh, sort of sort of starting, and then by the end of it, it was just sort of eyes glazed over, lots of dumb stuff happening. Um, I think this movie may have the dumbest car chase of all time. Which oh, is yeah. not a bad thing, necessarily. No, those are pretty fun <laughs> when, he, when they're driving um, a little yellow car. They're driving a little yellow car. <laughs> the car, this is, this is where I first got the vibe of, oh, they really just were sort of writing this as they went along. Yeah. Um, because the, they, the car flips over uh, in, a, in a marketplace, and they're just like, what if they just got out and like pushed it back over it would say so and they use the power of community even though they don't know any of these what if there's people? random people in the marketplace who are like oh these people they flip their car i guess we gotta help them push it back. no it's amazing it's like the car flips and, over and they go oh we can't have this happen come on teens and then all the teens come out and they help it's amazing and a lot of people are like oh yeah okay the, the car and the car is fine the car oh, yeah. is totally they, they drive it off multiple cliffs and get gets yeah. hit in all sorts of directions and they they're just using these cars at one point the i mean the end of the sequence is that the the car the the last bad guy car gets stuck in a tree, and, yeah. And apples are falling down, and all the villagers are like, "What is what is what's that?" Or I don't know if it's apples, but some some sort of tree. It was wump of fruit from I, fruit. I, Crash I, I did right like the, the setup for that where they're they're running and they're trying to get to Bond's Lotus. And, but even then, and the Bond... guy tries, the guy tries to to open it, and it just blows up. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Bond just like. Thing. I like the way that Roger Moore plays it, where he just like nonchalantly just tosses his keys in the air, and he's like, "You do you have any ideas?" Like I like <laughs> yeah, that. I think he I specifically like he says, "I hope you brought a car." And yeah, then, yeah, like, whatever. And then yeah, chucks the keys. Um, no, it's good. Uh, Roger Moore still carrying a lot of this. Yes, yes, for sure. This is this though. We're talking about the age. I mean, yes, it oh, is. Yeah. It's always egregious. It's all because it's Hollywood. It's always egregious. It's so bad starting now. Like. Mm-hmm. 
he is so much older than Carol <laughs> Bouquet. Yes. Yeah. And like, and again, and oh, maybe gosh. it's just because I have such a good impression of him that I'm at like, least I don't the think... next movie they bring back Maude Adams, so obviously right. they have they have an older actress that can match Roger mm, Moore. Yeah. And by older, we mean thirty five. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, older no, no, for no, this series, okay. Twenty five. Oh, that, that, that's a joke on Hollywood, not on you. Yeah. But it's like, and that's always a problem. And and honestly, I don't have a, a really and truly, I don't have a problem with age differences in relationships. Mm. And I don't think it's bad when I don't think it's inherently bad for an older well, man to date a younger woman. But this is Bond we're talking about. No, exactly. Who then has that... been with? This is the most sort of <laughs> not really misogynist because Roger Moore I feel like has not really dipped to that level except for I mean I guess there's um I don't even remember which movie it is. It Maybe is it Man with the Golden Gun where he he sleeps with the one woman while there's another one in the closet? Yeah, correct. Yeah, he so, sleeps with Maude Adams while Britt Eklund is oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. chilling in a closet. But, so, yeah, but but he and I think it's his natural niceness. Yes, is subverting uh, a lot. And I'm sure he has probably resisted them. I'm sure they've had kind of lines that were trying to push him more towards the Sean Connery. Right. Oh, that whole attitude. scene where he's beating up Maude Adams, he was not yeah, cool with yeah. in the Man with um, the Golden Gun. And so I feel like they have avoided maybe the misogyny in, in a lot of ways but in general just the sleeping around yeah. we haven't had the, I think he sleeps with like three different women in this yeah. and it's just well, and, and, and I didn't I just brought up the age of different things like in the real world it doesn't bother me in terms of if two people genuinely meet and fall in love and want to be together well hey who am I to say anything but there's a point in, or even but, if they don't fall in love and it's just kind of comfortable well, you, sure, know? Sure. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. but in movies it's such a trope for women to not get "quote unquote" good roles after sure you know they turn thirty or whatever, and Elliot Kalin, the great Elliot Kalin, has said men win Best Actor when they're old because they're distinguished, mm. but women win Best Actress when they're young because they're still hot. Uh, which is why it was nice to see Olivia Coleman, who is in no way an unattractive woman, win uh, sure. Best Actress just now because you know Lady Gaga was up with that sure. in, in her category. Um, Livy Coleman is also a supporting character in that movie, but not the point. Um, <laughs> I think it, it, it's always a problem in movies when when they're like, well, we can just get any you know men, whatever, but we mm-hmm. can't get a woman who's out of her twenties. Mm-hmm. We just can't. And it was I really noticed it in this in this yes. one, and I know it only gets worse. Uh, and again, like Roger Moore's natural charm and all the stories I've heard about him offset that a little for me, just because I was like, at least I feel like in the real, like probably when the cameras aren't rolling, he was really sweet to people and sure. was like nice and cool about stuff. And, and right. this movie specifically with, uh, I can't, I don't know any of the people's names in this movie. I really don't. I, I recognize Bond and Q, and then yeah. everyone else. Oh, I, I I have the actors list up because I don't remember anyone's sure. names either. Who is- and I'm I'm. I, I've watched this movie multiple times, and who I don't is, remember uh, their names. Who, who is Elsa uh, from Frozen? I, I don't remember what's the... Adina Menzel? No, 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 the, in this movie. She, she, oh, Beatty. Yeah, yeah, she shows up, and she's she's got the, the blue dress, and she's ice skating. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, she's got bond hair. I, I came <laughs> to really enjoy that character because she became a Brady Bunch cartoon. <laughs> Well, but my I, thing's... I like I like that Roger Moore, like even even his Bond, kind of has a, his limits in terms of the age of of the girl. Where he's just like, oh, I'll get you an ice cream. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, well, that's kind of what's creepy about it, is that she's so like she's so into him. Yes, and she plays it so young. Yeah, so childishly. Yeah. Yes, and apparently in reality, Carol Bouquet is like a year older than that actress. Sure. So, and obviously, she looks older than like it's a mm-hmm. whole mm-hmm. thing. And they put her in like they put BB in like pigtails and yes. you know have her yeah. on trampoline yeah. and all this crap. 
but like it uh, apparently yeah, it is one of those things where I was like, well, I like that he's not going for the advances of the pretty, you know, young mm-hmm. woman. But Carol Bouquet's it's not like he instead went to a woman who was in her 40s yeah. with yeah. him, which I was I kind of liked when he was with the Countess because I'm like, she actually looks like an adult person <laughs> sure. married to Pierce Brosnan at the time. Yep. And is how Pierce Brosnan met Cubby Broccoli. How Pierce mm-hmm. met Cubby. Correct. When, when Cubby met Pierce. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it continues to bother me and I'm I, I, I have I'm very concerned about how angry I'll get at the next movie because I don't have the faith in Sean Connery as a mm-hmm. as an off screen presence that I do with as with, for Roger Moore in terms of relating to <laughs> women. Well and... the, the the next movie will be Octopussy so we still got oh, one more right. Roger Moore. That's right, that's right. I'm sorry. And then and then No, he's just wondering again. in between the next time we record the the podcast will he just like find other things to be angry at Sean Connery yeah, about exactly. that's that's more what he's <laughs> <laughs> um, don't go hunting for actual Sean Connery interviews then. <laughs> um, he says some very questionable things. I'm sure he does. Particularly involving uh, uh, hitting a woman when necessary. Now this was, uh, did he also say that like the, the Quote, Westworld, that the movie of Westworld was better than the TV show? Because that would make me pretty mad. I, I don't think he even knows what a TV is. <laughs> <laughs> is that where I can buy Polydent? No, oh dear. Um, <laughs> Tyler, I, I forget because we kind of went on a long tangent there. So have you done both your best and your worst things? I did. Okay. You have not. Okay. We're 30 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and get a move on here. Um, my best thing is going to be the theme song, um, For Your Eyes yeah. Only by Sheena yeah. Easton. Genuinely good song. Mm-hmm. It's not just a good Bond theme. It's a, it's a really good song. And fun fact, she is the only recording artist of any of the themes to actually show up in the main title sequence. Hmm. Like, she's the girl singing in oh, that yeah. sequence, which is and, fun. Uh, and apparently, uh, Tyler and I were talking about this before we recorded. Um, and uh, apparently, to the way they were filming that, the kind of lens they were using and all this other stuff... If she moved even slightly, it was going to blur the image. So they had to, like, lock her head into this, like, vice thing. So huh. that's why she's, like, so uncomfortable looking and just what's <laughs> sinking to it. It's super weird. But I really like the song. I think the song yeah. is quite good. And it starts yeah. off where I'm like, oh, this is going to be sort of a... Was it... I, th- I think with Moonraker, I w- did, did we talk about this? Was I, was I upset about this? They all blur together at this point. Yeah, you were upset about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was worried that they were starting to do the same thing because it starts off slow and, and sort of... Reserved, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be, you know, for your eyes oh Like it's gonna be very yeah. sound like a supermarket jingle or something. <laughs> um, and then, and then she just lets it loose, and I was like, "Yes, it, thank is, you." Yeah, this, it very much has the like. I would wa- listen to that. I was like, "I need to watch Flashdance again." <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a great, first of all, it's a great movie, but I was like, "The '80s are coming, dude!" Like '80s <laughs> music is on its way. Living yeah. daylights, let's go. Yeah. Like, Started voting for Reagan, guys. Let's make it happen. <laughs> it's the 80s. Stranger Things is a thing. <laughs> Come on, man. Xanadu. Go to the mall or whatever. Like, I'm ready Xanadu. for it. <laughs> the best Batman movie will be out in like eight years, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I really like that song. Um, no, it's it's the only thing in this movie that had like a sense of energy to it and enthusiasm. <laughs> Everything else was just that ah, we're here, 
we, I think we're contractually obligated to do another Bond movie, so here you go. Yeah. Um, the shareholders will be unhappy if we don't release one this year. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think if I have a, like a clear-cut worst thing. Um, I think I just might take the easy route and go with the final scene with, with the not actual Margaret Thatcher talking oh to God. a bird. <laughs> Britain, can you, can you explain to the folks at home what is sure. happening in that final scene? Okay, so, smash cut. We open on. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, James Bond is hanging Pearl out Harbor, with... Pearl Harbor, 1941. <laughs> <laughs> Norman. All right, so, to begin with, Normandy. <laughs> well, guys, so really Tom set Hanks, the scene. So, Tom Hanks explain. was in a boat with a bunch of soldiers. <laughs> We're going to do a Terrence Malick Tree of Life thing with a bunch of dinosaurs. Oh no, ba- uh, basically... Uh, he and Carol Bouquet are on the boat, and they want to go skinny dipping in the ocean. And she's like, for your eyes only, darling. And then Q and all his buddies. Which is the second time they've referenced the title in the movie. And both yeah. are terrible. Yeah. 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 The and first then, of which is when Not M hands him the file. And it's got. Explaining a, the case. And it's got very the large, wrapping on it. Very large, yeah. visible wrapping that says, for your eyes only. The and movies. It's like, it should be, it, there should be an extra little thing that says, the movie is called, for yeah, your eyes yeah, only. And it's like, that, well, that hasn't been on anything else. Right. That Bond has ever received. <laughs> They'll have one of those, like, a VH1 pop-up video things. It goes, bloop, the title of the film is for your I, eyes only. I really wish... <laughs> Interestingly. I really wish that starting, like, way back in Dr. No, just every time they hand Bond a file, it, all, it always said in giant letters, for your eyes only, so in this movie it would be a payoff. <laughs> of like, oh, it's the title. Uh, but so, so they're talking, and then Q is like, oh, the Prime Minister wants to speak with you, um, Bond. And I was like, what is this, Bodyguard on Netflix? And then he's so he's like, I don't want to do that. Oh, Margaret Thatcher, she sucks. <laughs> you know, Bonnie's like, what are you talking about? Swimming rules and Thatcher drools. Come on, man. <laughs> and so he grabs Carol Bouquet and they jump in the ocean. He's like, I know what I'll do. I'll put my communicator watch next to this parrot that's here, this extant parrot. Yeah. And so the parrot is just like, who apparently knows a lot of phrases, is like, rock. You know, what's up, baby, or whatever. And give then us a, a kiss. A, give us a kiss, right? And a woman. Apparently, this woman was quite well known at the time for being a Margaret Thatcher uh, impersonator. Huh? Uh, you on the circuits, <laughs> playing all the all the clubs, playing Margaret Thatcher in Hamlet. <laughs> and then she was uh, she he he also a also a band from Georgia. She um, <laughs> so she's like, oh, Bond! I can't believe you're saying this. And then a guy who I thought was Prince Charles walked up and was like, he was like, had these huge teeth, like, hey, Margaret, what are you talking? Who are you talking to? She's like, and no one, dear. Oh. And it's just like a really fun, charming thing. And I'm, That's I'm wondering, not true. It was neither fun nor charming. But it is a moment of like Hanna Barbera lunacy <laughs> at the end of a movie that was. Just, if it had been in Moonraker, I would not have bad. Totally, sure, hundred percent. Sure, it's that it's in this movie, and it's also I wonder how much of this because obviously Margaret Thatcher was a widely disliked figure in England, mm-hmm. has since become a more liked figure for people that don't really know about Margaret Thatcher, which is why I question in many ways getting Meryl Streep to play you in a movie and win an award for it. But um, she was so I wonder how much of this was like. Ha public, you know, we're just doing we're like ribbing the people in power because it's funny to do that in movies. But or or how much of that was like we're making fun of Margaret Thatcher? Like were they trying to you know? The intent is confusing. 
Exactly. And the execution, like, I remember watching it and just being like, this is so, which is what I was talking about is how much I enjoyed Moonraker. How much I enjoyed Moonraker. I enjoyed, <laughs> the degree to which I enjoyed Moonraker was because. Six? <laughs> the, the consistency, the consistency of the silliness. Yes. Worked for me. Or in this, it was like, okay, this movie is always accidentally silly. So now it's purposely silly yeah. at the end. Like, what? It, why is this? Which is, here? I think, really the fundamental flaw. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, it's it's just that they. You say that this is supposed to be the grounded version where they're they're reeling it back, but they don't really. No. Uh, it just makes the stuff that's not silly boring. <laughs> well, and to use your hungover yeah. metaphor, it really is like watching a drunk person try to walk. <laughs> yes. You're like, yes. I get what you're trying to do, <laughs> yes. and I uh, sure, but it's not happening. I'm dude. not that interested, and I just don't like. It's it, mildly entertaining at moments. Unless I'm wondering if this was something like the producer, the writers were like, I really have a problem with Thatcher, so I want to like. Good. Make fun of her, but also they don't even really make fun of her no, that no, much. No, no, no. She's just like being flirted with by I a don't bird. Think it's that deep? No, I, I mean, I think I it just... is again uh, popular thing, like thing thing that's in the news a lot. Let's, oh, sure, let's sure, put sure, that sure. in there. Yeah, that's the production good. assistant walked in. Guys, my brother knows a Margaret Thatcher impersonator. <laughs> let's I, I, get honestly, that in the movie. I guess it would be Sorry, the equivalent him. of like a few years ago when everyone was doing Charlie Sheen jokes. Sure. There was no real malice towards him. It was just what the funny person, yeah. quote unquote, at the office would say. Like it was, it was, or Britney Spears jokes or whatever. You know, our equivalent of Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty bonkers uh, sequence. Almost as bonkers as the opening sequence. So smash cut. Yeah. Um... Pearl Harbor, nineteen forty-one. <laughs> <laughs> no, the opening is crazy. Yes. <laughs> and literally, it contains the line. Oh, Mr. Bond, have a nice fright. And I really wish it had been the Crypt Keeper the whole time. Like, he'd go to be like, well, now I've tipped you into the smokestack. Like, he, he goes to the smokestack, and he, like, wheels out of it, and he, like, like spits out some soot. And then, like, the Scooby gang shows up, and they're like, well, now that you – let's see who you really are. And it was the Crypt Keeper. Right. It was old Crypty. So I guess I, I, I should probably explain this. Um, I think so I know the general idea, but it's still just – yeah, especially so the, again because this is supposed to be the grounded movie, quote unquote. Yeah. It does not make any sense. It yeah. comes out. It's just so the opening sequence of, of the film, the cold open, as it were, starts off with Bond looking at Tracy Bond's grave. So it's supposed to serve as, I, I guess, the scene is just like a sequel to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Feel, even yes. though, even though we haven't referenced that movie it's, it's since almost, that movie. It's almost like it's supposed to be like a retcon where this took place immediately after Honor yeah. Majesty's Secret Service because it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Which, to be fair, a lot of Bond cold opens have nothing to do sure. with the rest of the movie. But this is so... Yes. Why are you calling back to this specific movie? And it, It's like, were it, people it, asking about this? <laughs> Did it, it you seems... feel the need to address this? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, Britain, in case you're not aware, Honor Majesty's Secret Service ends with Bond getting married to right. Tracy Bond, and yeah, she gets she shot. Yeah, and uh, she died... Very convenient the... that they had the same last name. Hey, that's true. <laughs> hey. Oh, mm. Well, also... I noticed that uh, her, her the year of her death was 1969 and I was like, nice. <laughs> That's also when that movie came out, so. Nice. <laughs> Which is even more confusing. Hey, yeah. what is, hey, what? <laughs> okay, I won't do that joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do like how on her grave it says we have all the time in the world. That, yeah. I thought that was a nice touch. And that's... Yeah, because that was her favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
Anyways. Also, so did then, anyone else think there was a rifle in that bouquet of roses? Britain did. I thought I for sure. When I that, don't think I was paying attention when that, that when point. that priest walked out, and I was like, "That's gonna be like a Robert Rodriguez priest who's about to like pull out some SMGs." You know, uh, on top of that, they should have just blown up the whole area. Like, oh, Bond's looking at this grave; it's all dramatic and whatnot. And then five minutes later, <laughs> yeah. it just all goes yeah, to yeah. smithereens. But then I actually liked it because I, I then the monastery is actually everything actually quite beautiful. Yeah. So I'm glad that that didn't happen. Um, so then Bond has to get on a helicopter that is secretly being remote controlled by a bald man in a wheelchair. No, it's not Blofeld, and it's certainly not Professor X. Is it electro? Because uh, he uses the powers to make the headphones electrocute and kill the pilot. Sure. That's true. Which, it is silly, but it's actually kind of, like, it's a messed up death. Like, it's no, actually kind of true. brutal. Yeah, and I, I kind of like that. Um, also, Blofeld <laughs> has a cat. At like the beginning, but he doesn't like throughout the rest of the sequence. Oh yeah, does, does the cat like run away? Or I something? believe it does. I think it jumps okay. away after Bond like gets through. After they Bond basically gets out of the building in the helicopter after jumping into it when it was about to crash. Yeah. I think there is a scene where it's a very strange close up where the cat freaks out, and then I think that's the last we see of it. So I think, I think the right. idea is that it jumps away. Yeah, because I remember being like, "Oh." So Bond is able to somehow. He, like, rips some wires out of the helicopter and stops Blofeld from controlling it well, anymore after, after is, Blofeld just kind of flies him around like a toy. It is kind of neat because he get, he goes on the outside because the idea is that he can't get to the seat from the yeah. kind of yeah, passenger back, area. Yeah. So he, he climbs around the outside and that's kind of... That's kind and of he cool. uses his tie as, like, some kind of, <clears throat> like, to get hold okay. of something. Yeah. Despite how ridiculous the sequence is, I liked it a lot. <laughs> It's neat. I hate yeah. it, but it's neat. I will also say, this is the kind of scene that Christopher Nolan would make that amazing. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, but it, it plays so silly, especially when he uses the the, yes. the the ski, I guess, of the helicopter to pick up the man in the wheelchair and tip him into a smokestack. Who's totally not Blofeld. No. Um, Why would you think that? So let me let me give some context. You don't also, understand, Alex. This is Blofeld's half-brother. <gasps> you mean Bond? <laughs> Oh my god! Um, so I, I, did y'all like the part where, I, where Bond pats Blofeld on the head? That's a moment that happens, <laughs> and the, that's also, like, and it's such a quick cut too. It's like they're embarrassed to have it in, but they're like, we filmed yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you want from us, on moment? And then all the all the fan fiction writers like perked up because the, their ship was canon. <laughs> Bond and Blofeld's bald head. Yeah, Bond specifically. <laughs> So basically uh, the idea I, and the I, reason for this scene existing is that around this time, Kevin McClory, who owned much of the story rights to Thunderball, which introduces Blofeld and Spectre in the Fleming um, books, uh, at this point he's trying to get his movie off the ground with Sean Connery, which is a remake of Thunderball, which we will get to, never say never again. Um, he's trying to make that movie. So this is basically an fu to Kevin McClory and the fact that they can't actually use Blofeld. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of like it's 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 very much supposed to be Blofeld. They reference Honor Majesty's Secret Service, um, and they just kill him off, and, mm-hmm. and they don't even say his name. And Blofeld has the line, "I'll get you a delicatessen in stainless steel," which is apparently an old like mafia reference in terms of like gift giving. Mm-hmm. So it's basically saying Blofeld's nothing more than a common criminal and same to you, Kevin McClory, like F you. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be the general intent is that it's just a giant middle finger 
to, towards one guy for an opening scene to a Bond movie? Yes. It's, it's like when you start to break it down into smaller chunks, you're like, this doesn't... Why is this here? When you look at the full chunk, you think, why is this here? <laughs> you don't need to deconstruct that statue well, also, too much. Look, well, it's let also me just strange say... because I, I feel like this would be a, a lot more appropriate as the opening scene to Octopussy, mostly because, number one, that movie is sillier, and it knows it's sillier. I think that's a much better movie than this. At least it has some fun. So we've got that I... to look forward to. But that's the also that's the one that was competing with Never Say Never Again. Like those two came out in the same year, so it was the Battle of the Bonds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the movie where this sequence should go in terms of a giant middle finger to right. Kevin McClory. Very. Strange. I don't know. I have I have three thoughts. One. Okay. I think the lesson we've all learned here is don't cross Cubby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Correct. <laughs> two. I really like the bit in this where. Bond opens the pilot side door and the uh, pilot's body just goes falling out of the window and Blofeld just is he says something along the lines of I, I uh, really you have no respect for death or something like that <laughs> right. and it's like this yeah, like the, the idea of Blofeld saying that and then just sitting there being like huh what is death? The demise of the human, the human body, and like, and Bond should just yell, "You shot my wife in the head!" It's just this random contemplative, in in the middle of a Blofeld saying whatever it was about fright. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a nice, have a nice fright. fright. It's just like what, um, and then and then lastly, I also really like the idea because the the gravestone does say sixty nine. Nice. It, sure, I really like the idea that this is like. This is that one side quest, that, or maybe even like the main story quest that Bond has put off for <laughs> ten or fifteen years, where he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I should probably finally get back around to the Blofeld plot." And so he, he's been doing he, all the bounty hunts. <laughs> he's been going around like, <laughs> back around, he's like, "I, I gotta find all the pine out. cones." Um, <laughs> he's, a play, he's been playing Gwent the whole time. <laughs> or uh, was that one in uh, the Triple Triad? I think in Final Fantasy eight or nine. <laughs> that actually. That actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I love the thing of those. Because I'm thinking about like, like I. I, I but the I, best I, part of this is that Blofeld's just been sitting there this whole time. Like, yeah. yes, he was my greatest for Bond enemy to press the A button to start the. Well, yeah, because if he goes too far into the throne room, the cutscene starts. <laughs> yeah, he and, just hovers at that safe sphere and, and plays And at this point, ball. Bond's been grinding for ten years, so yeah. it's like Blofeld doesn't stand a chance. Bond just chucks him in. He's like, all right, I gotta get this out of the way. All right, next. Bond <laughs> played the Moonraker DLC pack. Okay, the man is prepared. That would totally. That's a totally DLC move. And then someone's like, hey, Bond, you really need to go fight Blofeld. And he's like, no, but you, you don't. And Robert, Roger Moore himself is like, well, you don't understand. See, the Albed Sykes just lost um, Blapper. And I, if I go and recruit him now, he'll be cost less gill and I can have a better Blitzball team. <laughs> then I can finally win Waka's third overdrive slots move. Guys, we talk about Final Fantasy X for a while. I love that game. Let's talk about Blitzball. I wasn't sure how much of this you were just making up on the no, spot or none. not. But, you know, you could I don't think Blap was actually the best member. Of the- oh, who's their freaking goalie? Dalbet's like goalie is so good. I know good. nothing about what 18, you're saying. That's an 18 catch. Dude, he's so good. I love that game. Anyways. <laughs> I, really love, I really love the James Bond, the Moonraker DLC. It's so good. Yeah. So... <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the actual plot to this movie. I'm going to say you don't really want to talk about the movie. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's funny because this movie, oddly, it feels like a weird amalgam of everything that's come before. Because um, this plot feels very much like From Russia With Love. It's got it's a ski chase. To... I did not realize until we started these how much Bond skis. 
Yes. I, I knew, like, obviously everyone says that the, uh, the, the ski scene or the snow fortress scene in Inception, that's Nolan's homage slash audition, perhaps, for Bond. Right. Um, and I not, I never really understood why that was until now. I mean, how many movies has Bond skied? <laughs> I don't really feel like figuring out exactly, but it's been at least three or four, maybe five that, yeah. of the ones we've watched up to this point, just from this set. Um, He's a real snow bunny. Sure. Total sure. slope head. <laughs> <laughs> slope head a James Bond story. Yeah. Um, and so the, and this one, actually, it's not a bad skiing scene. The only, I mean, the main complaint I have is that it starts off with him. He's going down a ramp with Charles Dance. And I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Bond's about to, something real dumb's about to happen. Going to be fun. To, and then he just sort of, like, crashes. Sky, real sky dance entertainment. Yeah, and he just sort of crashes and lands <laughs> on the, the snow, and then they ski. Just like, carving yeah. some powder, dude. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 very from Russia with love inspired in terms of we've got kind of these two warring factions that are trying to get to this device. Do we? Um, there's there's a yeah, Red Grant that. type character who is, is not nearly as interesting as the actual Red Grant, and that's not the. This isn't the last time that a Bond movie will do that. True. Um, Britain, I know you haven't seen From Russia with Love. Robert Shaw in that movie is one of the best Bond villains. It's, wait, is that the John Travolta movie? Oh, is that is that from Paris with that's Love it. with with John <laughs> Rhys Myers and Robert Shaw? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then at the end, like we have Gogol yeah. coming back. You're confusing um, him with his more uh, well-known character, Baguette Grant. <laughs> oh my God. That's good. Um, yeah, it goes from where we're doing skiing and like the mountains and there's snow and then we go underwater. And once again, that's the most boring stuff. Bond should just never go underwater unless it's like a single scene in a movie. Sure, it takes um, so long. It, it, it always drags. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this one also is strange because at one point Bond gets... It, yeah, it's such a... I mean, for one, basically they get into the boat and... and there's the weird submarine machine thing or not submarine machine um scuba diving machine yeah. thing that the guy has or yeah. this armored suit we're, that he's walking around that in that looks like if like play school made a, a big daddy from bioshock <laughs> it's totally like like when andrew ryan like didn't know what he was doing and he was like a man chooses to just do the first draft <laughs> And it's just like a dumb like yes exactly my first big daddy um, and and so that's what the bad guys in <laughs> And then uh, the DB story, uh, sure. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Bond um, eventually puts puts like a trigger on his back that blows him up, or whatever. But during the, and this scene just it really does drag on. It's it's not really tense because like yeah. Bond's not gonna die, but it's also like just get on with it <laughs> uh, because it's moving so slowly because it's in the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. And during this, they they show a shark earlier, and Bond gets like his leg all cut up during the scene yeah. and he gets into the the um, the submarine after this after he blows up the guy and then they get captured uh, by the guy who backstabs them and there's a whole thing and then they try to like keel haul him which is surprisingly dark and, and no it's not uh, the way they try and kill off uh, Bond and Molina by tying them up and then dragging them in the boat so that they they get mm-hmm. uh, cut up on the, uh, the reef um, that's the end of the actual live and let die novel. Interesting. So they're just pulling from all over the yeah. place. I, I think the idea of a woman trying to avenge the death of her parents is actually the 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 plot 
story for um, the For Your Eyes Only short story. Hmm. Um, but I think that's about it in terms of uh, it, like this this but, movie it, it very much feeling kind of hung over it feels like alright what do we got what do we got let's pull, let's yeah, pull from everything yes, very much so um, as opposed to let's make our let's let's use all the elements we got and then we'll try and do right. something new and specifically with this that's not that's a neat scene in terms yeah. of oh he's he's getting raked over the coral it's kind of freaky and the coral it also feels kind of like a climax to the movie because yes. that's the climax to the, the climax novel <laughs> yeah um, but it's neat and, and a neat set piece but then Bond is bleeding just profusely yeah. and at one point he eventually he uses the coral to snap off like the there's a buoy that they're attached to yeah. and the buoy shoots off and it, and it knocks a guy off in the, the boat into the water and that guy gets eaten by sharks I, I don't and know the, the sharks I don't just know. sort of ignore Bond and, and Bond Tyler <laughs> I just don't I don't have anything for you I don't have anything. I was just sitting there like, wait, what is the... Are we going to revisit? What? Hello? The answer is no. <laughs> it was something. Well, also, what annoyed me about that scene is where uh, Bond at the beginning is like, no, don't talk too much. Preserve your air. And then he talks so much. <laughs> he's, he's reading out loud all the, all the instructions. He's like, turn to the clockwise... Down to the sit- you know I was in the navy once. It's totally like it, 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 a I know how like, to breathe underwater. Attach, Let me tell you about the time that I was at Pearl Harbor. Attach the parapet to the castle, and then you can put these Lego Harry Potter sets are so convoluted. He's, he's every, and like literally everything he says is unnecessary in that yes. scene. It's all like and also that never becomes a ticking time bomb. It becomes yeah. the actual. They just create a ticking time bomb. Yeah, put. yeah. Ugh. I also I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest I never had any idea what the MacGuffin of this movie was. At no point did I understand what it was supposed to be. I looked uh, they, at one point they were chasing something that looked like, like a old typewriter. Yes, or or maybe a, a some sort of accounting uh, apparatus, uh, yeah, some sort of sort of like, calculate yeah. you know kind of kind of accounting calculator maybe something yeah, along those lines. Yeah. I can't remember. There is an explanation. <laughs> No, no, genuinely, I don't remember what it is. It's just supposed to be important espionage device that the Russians want. Like that's that's it. Which um, is great because Bond then uh, throws off a cliff and destroys it. And the it, who who is it that he's working? Is it the the Germans? Is that is that who that is? Or the the Russians? Oh, the Russians. Gogol. The Russians. Sure. Um, yeah, we've so. seen him for the past couple of movies. I'm sure we have. Uh, he's he's just sort of like eh, it's Anya's you- boss. He's just sort of like, eh, you, uh, you funny guy. I see. Okay, okay. No, you funny American. I mean British guy. <laughs> picking up what you're putting down. Okay, okay. And then just like walks away after he flew a helicopter yeah. out to this monastery. This is a great moment. I like, like that. It's, it's just like an easy excuse. He's like, I wanted to get out of Russia for the weekend. <laughs> well, he does this great bit where he like holds up his hand. It's like a faux, like a pseudo salute. And then Bond does it right back. But more has this look on his face like... I don't know what this means. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, quite very. Good. You too. <laughs> um, also, fun uh, little not a not a reunion. I guess Game of Thrones was a reunion of this because we've got two Game of Thrones people in this. You got Tywin Lannister and Grand Maester Pycelle as uh, the bad guy, Christados. Huh. That is Wait, uh, Jul- Julian. Glover. Julian Glover is is Pycelle. Yeah. Huh. Fascinating. Isn't he the bad guy in Last Crusade as well? Mm-hmm. Huh. <laughs> and he is one of the Imperial Admirals yeah. in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yep. Oh, he was. He played all the hits. He's huh. also the. He's also the the 
the I totally see now. I can't. Wow. I can't unsee that image. That's great. Yeah, no, that's him. He's Python. And then that is a Tracy, series Tracy, of revelations. And yeah. then Tracy Bond um, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service is um, what's her name? Yes, in, in uh, Game uh, of Thrones. Tyler. Uh, Olena. Tyler. Oh, yes. Diana Rigg. Yes. Oh yeah. wow, she was Diana, and she looks quite a bit like Marjorie, um, who oh, is no, her no, actual no. granddaughter. That's funny. Yeah. Well, she's um, also she's also in Grim Epic Caper, which was not which was released the same year as this, and they were up for original song at the Oscars. Um, also, uh, Julian Glover is the former Mister Eileen Atkins, who's awesome. Hmm. That's interesting. Kind of cool. She's been in a bunch of stuff too. Yeah, it's kind of a shame that we have a Julian Glover who shows up in all these things, and he's like a nothing character in this. Yeah. And he was fine. This is one of those scenes like not his fault. He was no. fine. But it's like, I really liked Topol in this, but he didn't have anything to do. He was just charming when he was talking. Yeah. I'm going to completely just derail the conversation, um, because there was someone I meant to mention earlier when we were talking about the uh, the dumb car chase. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Now- Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> uh, the, the, the beginning of that car chase, before they, they go in and they, the bad guy tries to get into the car and the car explodes... Um, Bond uses an umbrella to get out of the situation, which is strange because later we see Q using an actual, like, gadget umbrella. Oh, yeah, um, it clamps down. But Bond is just using an umbrella. He, he basically, he gets cornered, and he somehow fights his way out of that with an umbrella, and people are dropping their guns as he's knocking them out, and he continues to use the umbrella and eventually uses it to, like, hang glide out of the side <laughs> of this pool. <laughs> And all I really need out of this movie at this point is a tactical umbrella bond <laughs> action figure, basically. Like I think. So basically, that... he just start using a bunch. He, he uses a bunch of penguin umbrellas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, no, he pulls out. He pulls out the one where um, it, it's like the hypnosis one, and he's like, it, "No, it's not going to hypnotize you. It's just going to give you a really bad headache." And then Christopher Walken walks in. Um, pun. Um, uh, it's not doing anything to me. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of references I just strung you, together. You mentioned, I, leave, I leave it to the audience to to, to fill in the rest. You mentioned headaches. Uh, the other the other thing I was thinking of, the other vibe I was getting outside of Hangover, was uh, that one time that David Lynch got a headache while talking to George Lucas about <laughs> Return of the Jedi. I think that's the other way I can really describe this movie. Like, wow. Y'all really great. didn't like it. I didn't it's, hate it. It's really... Neither of these... These are both things that amuse me. Yeah. <laughs> They just... I don't I, re- I remember... I mean, I watched it last night and finished it this morning. And I like... But it, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. To quote, use an Alex-ism. I watched it last night. And this morning as I was finishing it, I didn't pause it when I went to go get cereal. <laughs> Fair enough. I was like, ah, I can hear it. <laughs> well, he, here's the thing. I, I was with it. For for a good while, I was like, "This is actually kind of solid." I, I think it was really up until they go underwater, and then I'm like, "Oh, this yeah, is... that really dragged." Hmm. And there's a lot of tension you can get out of a situation like that. Something slow tension doesn't have to equal speed, right? Like something slow and methodical can be really However, terrifying. The movie Speed does have a lot of tension. That's true. <laughs> and I, I, I mentioned Bodyguard earlier, a show I just finished, gets a lot out of method and just going through the processes of of Diffusing a, a bomb or whatever, and it take it really takes its time, but it's incredibly tense. Yeah, and it's it's a really great exercise, especially the final episode. Is there's this one scene that's really long, and I realized about midway through it, I was like, "That's kind of a long scene," but I'm but that didn't break the tension at all. Mm-hmm. I was just I was impressed at how 
it was really taking its time and there wasn't a lot of kinetic motion, just dialogue. But because it was well written and the stakes had been built and they were shooting it well and you understood what was happening, it was really, really suspenseful. And it's like, you, you, there's a way to do yeah. so, so something like that. This was just, oh, scuba. Now, I'm impressed <laughs> with the way they the filming underwater because nowadays it would all be with, with fans and CGI and stuff. Sure. Like Aquaman. Like Aquaman. Yeah. Um, well, it's just weird because, like, even there's a weird setup and payoff with, with Melina's scuba gear where she just kind of leaves it laying underwater. Yeah. Um, when, when Bond shows up. And then they start hanging out, and then they take the, the, the weird sub thing to go find the, the device. Um, but then at the end, when they're trying to escape being killed by Christados and his men on the boat, they just go back to that, that scuba suit, and then they get air, and then mm-hmm. the bad guys think they're dead, and then they just leave. I'm like, that is that is such a weirdly forced setup and payoff. It is also the most, uh, I think we've ever, the best... Uh, you definitely could have killed him, but you didn't. Uh, yeah. moment we've gotten from any villain in these because he literally just says, ah, "The sharks probably got him." <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good, guys. Let's. He suddenly turns into Pat Hingle at the monastery when he realizes that that Bond's still alive. What happened? How did he get away from the sharks? <laughs> just, one of his henchmen is, is sitting there just saying, hey, uh, "I can see it. He's right down there. The shark's over there. He's gonna get away. Uh, it's fine." It's fine. I don't. I need. I need a nap. It's, let's, let's just get out of here. It'll. If the opener will fix it, I mean, I gotta go home. <laughs> well, it, it's weird because I feel like this story could work. Um, I like the idea of Bond. Like when Bond has to explore like a new world that he's unfamiliar with, and he's meeting all these these interesting characters. I like the switcheroo where he thinks Christados is a good guy. And that Topol's the bad guy, and we have that reverse where it's like, mm-hmm. no, 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 Christodos is actually the one you're after. He's the one working with the Russians, not me. Um, I like that. Uh, and I, I, I like how it kind of attempts to build up this rival, rivalry between the two of them. I don't think it does nearly enough job, a good enough job, and it doesn't focus on that enough. Um, so, like, when you get to the end and they're fighting with each other, I'm like, this should feel a lot more powerful. It doesn't. <laughs> yep. And, like, Topol uh, killing Christados, he throws a knife at him at the end. Sure. And then Topol just kind of falls out of frame, and it looks like he's dead. And it's yeah. like, oh, that that was kind of strange. But then it's like, <laughs> oh, BB and, and the, the lady are, like, massaging him or whatever. <laughs> I had no idea what was happening. When I, don't, I don't know if it was good or bad for Carabao Cat to not kill uh, uh, Christados. Because sure. on the one hand, it's like, oh, now she didn't have... Cause, Bond is like, we can't sink to his level, you know. Right. Isn't that, it's it's like Batman yeah. Forever, how uh, Robin's trying to kill Two-Face the whole time, and then Batman, you know, forces the situation so that Robin doesn't have to be a killer, but he still gets the satisfaction of Two-Face mm-hmm. meeting his demise. Sure, and this was like a less good version of that. Or I was like, I don't know if this Robin. Oh my god, something. you just said something's a less good version of Batman Forever. <laughs> I haven't seen Batman Forever in like ten years. I have no idea what I feel about it. I mean, Tyler and I like Batman Forever more than most folks, I feel, but <laughs> <Sure>. still. <laughs> I, I, well, I just mean, like, in that at least there's a, there's a clear intention behind where the writers were like, oh, this is what the goal of this is. Yeah. And here I'm like, is this because they wanted t- Well, it's, it's, so weird, weird. Spe- it's so weird, especially after we've done, like, movies that really handle the idea of revenge and violence well. Like Logan's the clear example, but also sure. I would argue Ninja much of this, despite me not liking the Man with No Name trilogy for the most part, I feel like that does a pretty good job at handling that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then this is just like, oh, you shouldn't get revenge for your parents' deaths. That's bad. Remember, you've got you've got to you've got to uh, dig two <laughs> graves. The, the man died anyway. <laughs> so it all worked out. Like yeah, that was fine. so like superficial, bare bones. Like we're Im- trying to have something thematically resonant, and your emotional you trauma is cured. If you're going to have the opening of the movie be Bond finally kills Blofeld and gets revenge for his wife's <laughs> death, do something with that. You have another character who shows up who is trying to get revenge for the death of her loved ones, and there's never a connection or anything. I really about like the that. idea that that was the idea, and that Bond has been traumatized by what he did to Blofeld this entire time, and we're just <laughs> yeah. supposed to sort of pick that up and just be like, "Oh yeah, that makes yeah, you know, clearly." No, no, and, and once again, going back to Batman Forever, there, there's that the exchange between Dick and Bruce, where, where Dick goes, um, "Your parents weren't killed by a maniac," and Bruce goes, "Yes, they were." And it's like, are they referencing the Joker? I Val Kilmer feels like he's putting a little extra oomph in, in that line delivery there. I feel like they're trying to do something. And then this is just like, flat line. <laughs> well, they, well they, they cut out the scene where Roger Moore is washing his face after a shower. And he looks in the mirror and he sees Blofeld's face. Ah! I thought you were going to say he sees Sean Connery's face. <laughs> 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 no, that's the the trauma of killing Blofeld turned him into Roger Moore. And <laughs> let's not even get into the no, continuity no, no. Oh, with no. like let's not even get into the continuity with like diamonds are forever happening in between this Honor Majesty's yes. Secret Service and this and there's a Blofeld and that and none yes. of it makes sense. Um these movies just kind of have a selective continuity and I feel like each one you just need to watch it and it's like, alright, what what's the checklist of the films that actually fit in with this? <laughs> I would have a lot if these movies cared oh, even slightly more while also doing that as you know being super petty um and and sort of being like oh we're going to use these movies as our we're going to reference these and these are current continuity and yeah. changing that up I'd have a lot of fun with that in terms of this movie you know which movies are the definitive movies and and what what makes sense with what uh but they don't yeah well it's just so weird because Especially after Honor Majesty's Secret Service, they seem to just dismiss it so casually. Sure. But then they want to keep hinting at, oh, Bond's wife is dead. Do you remember that? It's very bizarre. I don't know. I really want someone to just really push the the limits of gritty Bond and make a sort of psychedelic... uh, drug drug fueled uh, <laughs> descent into hell <laughs> so so like just just crazy sort of uh unsettling maybe even horror movie of it's of requiem bond. for a dream yes, but, it, but bond it's bond slowly coming to uh terms like, with his demons and everything that he's done to it's these like people. A death wish sure Charles Bronson. <laughs> just just slowly yeah, um, I, I don't really have a whole lot more to say to, about the story. It's just kind of strange how we have some like really dark moments, like Bond pushing the guy um, Locke, I think his name is, um, the guy who's like balding and he has his glasses. Um, we need to talk about the Identicast scene, by the way. Oh yeah, that's bizarre. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, but he was playing with his light bright. Yeah, <laughs> but Locke's in the car on the edge of a cliff, and Bond just oh, pushes yeah. it off, and it's like. Is is this revenge Just, for for what happens to the countess? Like, yeah, 
And then the Countess... Oh, yeah, that was dark. I forgot yeah. about that completely. The Countess is, like, killed in a very brutal way, and then... We see the entire just car wreck as, as Yeah, but then it's her. just... Like, that whole subplot could have just been cut from the film. Yes. I feel like this is this is a movie where easily 20, 25 minutes can be cut, and you will not miss a thing. Like, I, I, if you trim a lot of that stuff and remove most of the underwater stuff, I think the movie immediately gets better in terms of pacing. In fairness, two hours could be cut, and I probably wouldn't miss a thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Tip the guy in the smokestack, crank call with a parrot. In and out, bud. <laughs> Academy Award winner, best short film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, in terms of the story, I think there's a there's a good idea here, and there's a lot of interesting elements that they just don't play with. Um, and even like having a knockoff Red Grant, um, just this, just this huge hulking Russian blonde, uh, assassin who basically just wants to kill everything in sight. Yeah. Um, do something with it. Don't just have him be a guy. Also, Bond fights hockey players in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That was another one where <laughs> the scene was, it started off and I was just sitting there like, this is sort of brutal it's it's sort of the uh, the Zack Snyder thing of uh, the the famous Zack Snyder quote infamous Zack Snyder quote where he says uh, my Batman could be raped in prison um, it's sort of, <laughs> have we not no, discussed this that. he was specifically yes! referencing that Watchmen is... no no he said in the, in this world a character like Batman could okay, get raped okay. in prison Maybe That's I I didn't have that it doesn't help that much but a little more no. context to that it's it's Good just Lord. yeah yeah and, and it's just like uh and that's, that's the headspace for for the former head of the DC universe, <laughs> of yeah. the uh, the the shining beacon of hope, Superman. Um, no, but that is how I felt about it just in this universe. James Bond can get beaten to death in a hockey rink. <laughs> that, that was my sort of reaction there. I'm um, just imagining Bond walking up to every single person, going, "If I wanted it, you'd be dead already." <laughs> Uh, but then he starts knocking people into the goal, and some uh, distant off-screen uh, character is adding points to the scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, well, I don't, I don't know how hockey rinks are actually set up. Like, like, is it a? Do they Mostly have like, ice. little sensors? Yeah, yeah, a lot of ice. Uh, Right, no, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's not a sensor. They're, hockey hockey rinks do That would be that would be a lot because the goalie sits on the line. So that's, right, that, right, that would right, not really. Yeah. No, but yeah, every it, time, like, he throws all three of them into the goal, and then, like, the, the alarm goes off of, like, oh, you scored a goal! <laughs> and, like, yeah, points get added to the scoreboard. It's bizarre. It's just like Lollipop Chainsaw. Come on. I like to sure. think it's just BB. Could be, could be. Also, why doesn't, why doesn't the knockoff Red Grant just walk in with a gun and shoot him? He's probably taking a nap. I don't know. <laughs> and why doesn't Goku just show up and go Super Saiyan on everybody? Yeah, I like mean... what, stop, you know, like it's you, why why you got to put holes in the plot? It's yeah, well, man. Written at, at, like I, I'd like to explain that Goku he's not a real character. James Bond is real. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> these these aren't these aren't like like fictional stories. These are documentaries. Oh, okay. It explains well, why, why Margaret Thatcher was in the movie. Why couldn't Philippe Petit just tightrope in and, like, I don't know, stab everybody with his, like, <laughs> big knives or something? I don't know. 
Oh my god. Um, but yeah, the, the story had a lot of potential, I feel, and I, I, I do appreciate the attempt, and I think it's a, it is admirable to try and make it more grounded, to pull it back a little bit, but it's just, it's very wrong-headed in how it goes about that. Yeah. I think it We might. haven't even really talked about Molina as a character, because she's kind of a blank slate. Well, she's dubbed, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's The Bond girls haven't really been dubbed in a while. Most... M- Britain, just so you have the context, most of the Bond girls in the Connery era are dubbed. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like... It, it, in that case, it's very hard to judge her performance, but it feels like she's just got, like, a very bored or confused face for most of it. Sure. Like, she's just... I don't know. She she didn't really have a whole lot of enthusiasm, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she didn't really register with me very much. Which, I mean, they could have played it as she's very cold and distant because she's trying to avenge her parents and she's she's out for blood. Yeah, but... But, of course, they don't do that. Yeah, that would require layers. <laughs> Some thought and care. Yeah. I think um, in my, uh, my gritty Bond acid trip story, it's going to end with Bond dying in a hockey rink as he gets beaten to death by uh, hockey gang players. <laughs> um, and it's going to be called You Only Die Once. <laughs> and that's going to be... Just... And then Bond just dies. That's and then Bond just dies. After uh, losing everything he ever loved. And agonizing over all the men he's killed. Seeing their eyes as he tries to tries to sleep. Fair enough. I do like the bit. I do like the bit where Bond goes into the. Um, he goes to confess and cues there as the the priest. Yeah. Uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That's putting it mildly. 007. I like that. Jean Parmesan. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Identicast scene real quick. Um, yeah, it was so basically, silly. They have a computer program to try and piece together what a person looks like based off of physical descriptions. I mean, I imagine we have something like that now, but it, like, like, I really and truly, I imagine we have some sort of because it's a sketch artist. I mean, it's the same. Yeah, yeah it's basically that. It's also um, kind of fun because it's it's Bond and Q working late hours, uh, like the yeah, yeah. coffee and, and the, the little secretaries uh, bringing the secretary them coffee and coffee. stuff. Yeah, lo- and, and, and Q doesn't love how to lock up. Yeah, Q yeah. Q says, you know. You can go in and, and turn the lights off, whatever. I'll, I'll lock up. And uh, it's just sort of this weird, uh, you know, Bond and Bond and uh, Q working the night shift at the precinct. Yeah. <laughs> just out of nowhere. And then the end, Bond's like, lock up for me, will you? <laughs> yeah. It's just funny. Um, but it's just weird because, okay, they, they piece it together using, like, these really... These these really dated like two D graphics to try and put together physical features, and then they're just like find a match, and then they just like print out like a perfect image of this dude's face. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, the idea is that they found the match, and then the match printed out. So how do they have like a perfect shot like that of that guy? Don't worry about it. Again, Bodyguard has a a scene where they do digital reconstruction of a of a suspect that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> it doesn't though. I I can't imagine that it would. All right, Britain, Britain, we get it. We've already decided our our desired Bond reboot after Craig is Richard Madden as Bond with Charles Dance's Blofeld. Like we've already decided this. No, I don't think everything needs to go to a franchise. It's just, you know, kind of a cool show. It's fine. No, no, I'm not saying it, the bodyguard needs to turn to Bond. It's uh, Richard Madden. I like. He's, no, he's a good. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good boy. And then we we want Charles Dance's Blofeld because why not? Yeah, as long as he gets something to do. That's all yeah. I. Yeah. 
All I really need is for him to have something to do. He can be Q. Yeah. It's fine. Just give him Oh, man. To do. He would be so funny as Q. Just like a really stern Q does not care at all what Bond is doing. So in this, uh, <laughs> Just... these shoes emit gas from the heel. Yes, that's exactly. He's like cutting a deer open. <laughs> Yeah, that's what. It's just no, it, it turns out. It turns out none of the gadgets have like a quirk. He's just trying to get Bond to leave him alone. What are you doing? The shoes can emit gas. Ugh. I they hate were, my son. They pull back on the gadgets in this too, correct? There are two. There's rem- a cast that like repels a guy, and then there's an umbrella that clamps you. Right. Like a real feed but, me scene. But those aren't ones that Bond actually uses. No, no. That's like when Bond is looking through Q's lab and he's seeing yes. all this this cool stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's once again, if you you're trying to pull it back, you need a better story if you're trying to make it a bit more grounded. And I feel like reducing the gadgets also kind of hurts it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In that respect, because uh, the gadgets help to make things a bit more memorable. They, you know, Bond's in a tough situation. There's a funny way that he uses a gadget. And then yeah, he the uses old Tamagotchi gets him out of the problem. Sure. Yeah. He throws um, it, and the, the bad guy is like, oh, i got to take care of it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then Bond shoots, and he's like, you're the one that died. That's not a good joke. I'm Once. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to say, another day. <laughs> Uh yeah, that's I, I think that's uh, that's about all I have for for this movie. I don't, I don't know. Do do you have any other final thoughts or anything? Or we want to get into grades? Um, I don't think so. So I can dive into my recommendation while y'all think right. of your letter grades. There you go. Sure, go ahead. Cool. D plus. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so this week, um, I don't really have like a good tie-in with this specific movie. So I'm gonna recommend a movie I saw from last year, from 2018. It is called Leave No Trace. Uh, this is a movie by Deborah Granick, who made Winter's Bone, the movie that introduced, where that brought uh, J- Jennifer Lawrence just stumbling and pizza eating into our hearts. And uh, I was a little concerned before I watched Leave No Trace because I remember liking Winter's Bone, but feeling like Winter's Bone is very bleak and very grim. And Leave No Trace definitely has the potential to be that. Uh, it is the story of a man, an army veteran, or a military veteran, I'm not sure what branch, played by Ben Foster, the great Ben Foster, um, who has chosen to live outside of society he, with his daughter, uh, played by Thomason McKenzie. And they live in, like, I think it's a national park, and sort of just out in the, in the woods of that park. And they, I think he, they survive on, like, I think he's getting, like, stipends or some sort of, you know, checks from the military. And so they'll occasionally go into into town essentially to get supplies but they live and you know their, their lives are in this sort of this this park and this isn't a spoiler this is the plot of the movie they get found out and they're tried people try to sort of for lack of a better word rehabilitate them into society and it's a movie that I was afraid would be extremely bleak and extremely grim and it's it's really not I mean it, it, it it's certainly not a pleasant story it's not a happy movie but it's a movie that takes this story and says we rather that because they meet various different people that help them out um and it's a movie that really is about how people are basically decent and Mm. not in a sanctifying way it's not like they run across just and everyone they meet is just like a just a salt of the earth good person who's a real angel in disguise it's just very basic human decency and human behavior and uh it's a very hopeful movie it's a it's a movie about like 
the, the people you bump into in life who are just nice to you and, and help you out, but in a very human way. And it's a movie, it's less than two hours. It's very sort of methodical, but it really, really lands. It's very moving. The performances are astonishing. Like Ben Foster has made a career out of being one of the best parts of not very good movies. <laughs> um, he's obviously done some great movies like 310 to Yuma and Hell or High Water. And this is a great movie, and he's fantastic in it. He's so good in this movie. But this Thomas and McKenzie kid, she's maybe like 16 or 17, totally like my pick for supporting actress of the year. Like, amazing. There's a scene where she's in, after they've been brought into, you know, this place where they're going to try to like understand their circumstances and figure out where to where they can live in the world, where she meets these two other girls her age. And she plays that scene because it's awkward, the awkwardness of meeting people. Mm-hmm. when you're a teenager mm-hmm. the awkwardness of I don't know how to interact with other people outside of these very transactional here is money thank you for food and how do I but also the fear of this circumstance like mm-hmm. from that scene on I was like oh this is an amazing movie Alex I think you would actually really like this one because I feel like I know you're a big fan of Room the Brie right. Larson movie and this movie I think hits a lot of the same interesting sort of tonal elements not it's not the same story at all but it, it sure. hits kind of that same feel without being as hard, and as hard to watch. <laughs> Have you, yeah, Room is a great movie, but it's it's a it's a rough. Yes, it's yes. hard to watch. Like that. that first, I don't know what you're talking about. I watch <laughs> that movie every other Tuesday. <laughs> That's my comfort film. Room day. <laughs> room day. It's my comfort. I thought for really. a second. I thought you were going to say, Alex. I feel like you'd really enjoy it because I know you like not talking to people. <laughs> Which <laughs> It's I mean, not completely untrue. <laughs> you, you like looking at people, sadly, when you realize they're not going to do what you want them to do. <laughs> I'm well known for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. No, but, it, but I do think you would enjoy it because it, it, hits, it has a similar vibe to Room without being as hard to watch. Although Room is great. True. So, yeah, uh, it's, it, it got a little bit of attention in like the Independent Spirit Awards, but like it's just such a well-done movie about... I want it might be based on a real I don't know if it's based on like someone's autobiography but it might be based on some actual thing that happened somewhere but uh it's really really well done so again and if not for another reason those two performances are like truly gorgeous so yeah leave no trace I need to get some like recommendation music for you oh yeah Uh, I I don't know what to well I'm thinking of something to play while you're you know, just oh, nice. Britain's recommendation corner. <laughs> oh, and it is a uh, last I saw it was streaming on Amazon Prime. That's how I watched yeah. it. So check it yeah, out. I think the more cheerful because you have recommended so many just sort of grim sounding you know, <laughs> premises. Just the more cheer. I did, yeah, two of mine. Bone Tomahawk, a family <laughs> film. I haven't recommended Bone Tomahawk yet because yeah. I know how long it'll take me to talk about that movie because I love it so much. <laughs> But yeah, that that's a yeah. But like this and Mustang, although Mustang is much grimmer than this one. Leave No Trace again. It's a movie that could be so bleak, but is done so tastefully that it, by the end of it, I was like, I actually felt really good <laughs> for for what I was expecting to feel from it from the director of Winter's Bound. But yeah, it's pretty cool. So now, uh, what's what's the last thing we do on this show, guys? We read letters or something with letters. The, yeah, we read allegedly. Hey. If you have a letter you'd like to have read on the podcast, write in to HCT Sequels or whatever it is. When you, <laughs> you'll hear it at the end. Write in. Maybe we'll read it on air. Really, if anyone ever does, uh, you can find us at HCT Sequels on, on Twitter.com. 
Yeah. You can find <clears throat> us through email at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Find us, uh, uh, just like leave a comment at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com, and we're also on iTunes if you leave a just a regular old comment. Yeah, review uh, well, something. You, you might get read on the podcast. You never know. If you have a question uh, for, for us about like you other know, kinds of movies we like. Maybe our personal life. Yeah, um, if you want to you know, know what Alex's favorite pizza topping is, hint, probably not anchovies. <laughs> um, you know, if you're, or you want to know like Tyler's preferred shoe style um, or like what I do every maybe, Thursday. Maybe Britain's you're social security preferred? number? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say preferred shoe size. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's got those balloon feet and he can deflate uh, them. You know, you know, I'm really feeling more like a three today. <laughs> nope. I'm going to see Spider-Man Far From Home. This is a size 11 day. Like Big the, shoes, man. I like the idea of you, you wearing size three shoes. <laughs> Just like very, very tiny for you. Just like... But yeah, right in. Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll, ret- and actually, uh, before we do, le- actually, no, do letter grades first, then I'll say my thing because I just talked. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know how I feel about this one. I just, I, 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 I <laughs> vamped for you. No, 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 no. no. I, I've been, I've been considering <laughs> no, it. I, know, I have I know, been I thinking about it while, while you were talking. Because um, I, I am kind of feeling a D plus, but at the same time, I feel weird about giving this a lower grade than Moonraker. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I mean, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of sheer entertainment value, I what did like I get? Moonraker, Moonraker uh, C minus. Yeah, I'll give it a C minus. Feels about right. Yeah, I, I think at this point I'll, I'll go D plus for this as well. So that right. actually sounds good for me. <laughs> Conformed. To... Yeah, I'll have the D plus. <laughs> Can you make that too? That's strange, Britain, because that's the same grade you gave the Spy Who Loved Me. That's, uh... I feel similarly about them. <laughs> I can't. I can't wrap my brain around that, dude. I, look, I. Like I like obviously I gave Batman and Robin an F and I like that movie so I mean clearly I'm just hey man <laughs> I'm just here for the buds <laughs> that's fair no Bud I, light. yeah I <laughs> yeah you know me no uh, yeah I, I, it's hard I can't describe these you know what I mean unless I give it something like a really high grade or really low grade it's hard for me to find that that ground in between so yeah. Especially if a movie's as boring as this sure. it's just like what do you want me to really say about it like. It's boring. We did somehow manage to talk for an hour and a half. Yeah. To be fair, the I, some people would argue that the worst crime a movie can be is boring. Like even I, a movie I, that is bad it sure. can be memorably bad. I feel that beyond actual moral transgressions, you know, to, like mishandling sexual assault and racism and like you know that yeah. sort. That's the worst thing you can do as a movie is be you know unethical in some way. You know the reason we'll never be able to do super buddies. <laughs> <laughs> because of how how uh, glib morally it is. repugnant, yeah, how, how glib it is about the war on drugs. Morally repugnant. Oh, you could have just said with pug. <laughs> I could have stuck with, but pug is still good. You know, it's, it, they're not pugs, so I I felt that wouldn't be true. Oh, to the... great. Um, but no, but I, I I feel that way in terms of divorcing it from morals and stuff. Yeah, boring is the worst because I've seen movies that are not badly made, but they're boring. Yep. And I've seen movies that are terribly <laughs> made. Seen... But I mean, look at the room. Seen quite it's... a few of them for the podcast. Yeah, really. You look <laughs> at the... But yeah, I watched the room, and it's horribly made, but it's so entertaining for mm-hmm. me. So it's like the room, not room. Yeah, the right. room. We the were just was... talking about room. I feel Wizzo. like we need to say. Yeah, room. Room is neither boring nor bad. <laughs> yes. It is riveting and uh, shocking. Yes. Actually, make mine a D. Just bump it down to D. Because <laughs> oh, okay, I, because I do feel right. like my love. Bump it down down to a D or up to a D. Down to a D from D plus to D. Oh yeah, yeah because I feel like Spy Who Loved Me is better made than this and was less boring. 
And I like Amalia uh, Asimanova Gridnum. <laughs> Barbara Bach. I like Barbara Bach more than... <laughs> uh, also, I think Caveman came out the same year as this movie. Awesome. You know, are, are, uh, the, oh, ho- yeah, the holy yeah. grail of this podcast now? Sure, sure. It's too bad there's not a Caveman 2 and 3. We'll do this better. Tyler, at some point, didn't we, we... We came up with, like, all these horcruxes for, like, Warner Brothers or whatever... And and like one of them was uh, uh, Eddie Redmayne's Oscar, or like we had all yes, these different things. We did, and, and one of them has to be this movie now. The, the Caveman movie is one of. I don't even know if Warner Brothers made the movie. Probably not. It's one saying, of. If no it's one of Warner we, Brothers Horcruxes now. I just want the three of us to watch it together, if for no other reason. <laughs> we need to revisit this because I, I'll need to go figure out which podcast we brought that up, and it was a good. It was something to do with the Harry Potter movies. Um, and I believe... No, I think it was, I think it was actually Joseph was on. I think it was discussions of the Hobbit. Yes, you're right, and I don't remember what the other ones were, but I know one of them was the the Snyder cut of Justice League. <laughs> yeah, and... yeah. So, so, this, fill me in on this off mic because I'm interested in it. Tyler, what's okay, your sure, what's your sure. letter grade? Um, no, it was D plus. I said. Oh was, right, I'm sorry, was, I'm sorry. I'm sticking with it. That was not a did, that was did. not a, a joke. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> I'm a serious <laughs> podcaster. Speaking of serious podcasters, I wanted to say genuinely thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, we've noticed a slight uptick in mm-hmm. our subscriber mm-hmm. note uh, numbers recently, and that's really cool. Like and we, we don't promise we will fail you. <laughs> we don't do this for money or anything. We're just like no. this is like a good excuse to hang out every week. And if if we ever reach a point where we we feel like we can get sponsors or whatever we'll, we'll do it at the end yeah. and we will use it solely for making the microphones better because I yeah. don't think we're ever going to aspire to and like improving your experience but for now this is just something we do for fun and to talk about stuff we all love yes. and to hang out with each other and so but it's cool to think that people are listening and enjoying it so like sincerely reach out to us you know yeah. uh, if you do have questions just or just want to say something. We, we would be, love to hear from you. It can be about what you can. You, we'll we'll tackle the tough. Questions. It really doesn't you have can, to be about movies. You can like, ask us, uh, you know, how how to sort of come to terms with the fact that uh, we all we all come from and return to dust. That's fine. But, the know, melting glaciers. <laughs> but I will tell you, sure. hey, just don't ask for Tyler's chili recipe because that ingredient is <laughs> going to stay secret. Okay. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's anchovies. <laughs> You brought it back around. All right. Yeah, just good. reach out to us. And, and hey, if you, if you know of someone who might be interested in listening to three dumb guys talk about movies, uh, send it their way. Well, maybe the Flophouse as well. But, like, you know, maybe uh, recommend us to a friend or something. But, yeah, genuinely, thank you guys for listening. Because I, I sometimes forget that this is not just something that we record and then I listen to. Sure. And then, like, just stuff my earphones. Don't my forget f- Joseph. And Joseph. That's true. Hi, Joseph. Um, I don't just like <laughs> this isn't just something that I go to people at the gym and go forget that music listen to this now this is my joke I'm just imagining ear. Joseph like writing to work listening to this and he hears hi Joseph and he goes hi Britain and he just waves <laughs> and, and nobody and somewhere in the universe Britain <laughs> Britain just <gasps> ears, ears perk someone just waved to me <laughs> yeah Joseph write us a thing man but yeah for real like reach out to us we'd love to hear from you and just really thank you guys for listening it's really cool because I do forget sometimes that this goes out and people hear this aside from just me and Tyler when he's editing it. My mom listens, so hi, Mom. Um, I love you. But, yeah, so, you know, thanks, you guys, for listening. And uh, we'll be at it next week with lots of cats or whatever it is. Sure, sure. <laughs> Octopussy. I've already I – w- I refuse to say the name of it. 
I mean, that's that's fair. Although, it is kind of problematic considering Mod Adam's character no, is, is literally kinda. named Octopussy. This is an interesting... Th- I guess, you know, now I'm thinking about it, it is a, a it's little... It's a complex uh, issue. There's a bit of a weirdness to it, I guess. <laughs> Ian Fleming, you weird, weird man. You dog. Um... But yeah, that's 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 about it. Next week we'll be doing that, and yeah, yeah that's that's Woo! all I got. Thank yeah, th- thank you everybody for listening. We 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 do really appreciate it. I think I even more so than Britain feel like I forget most of the time that we have an actual audience. <laughs> like, like, maybe that's because I get so into the movies. I'm like so focused on the discussion. I'm just like nothing else matters. Yeah, Alex has one of those like Clockwork Orange machines, but he does it to himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How else was I supposed to get through uh, the Twilight Saga eclipse? <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last four Harry Potter movies or whatever. Sure. Yeah, we watch a lot of crap. Anyways, next week, Octopussy, uh, Tyler Darty did thing, Artist Objective. Nothing is real. All right, thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye, guys.